But in the midst of that, an opportunity that God calls them back to himself. His choice is, rather than the judgment that you're facing by continuing in sin, I want you to come back to me. And he's reminding them in this beautiful passage about how that it is that they need to walk this road that leads to the crossroads and which path to choose. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16? Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Heavenly Father, we ask for you to be with us today, your presence to lift us. That, Lord, there is nothing that, that is, uh, there, there's nothing that has happened or that is happening that should turn our eyes or our focus from rejoicing in who you are and what you have accomplished and what you will do going forward. Let us set our affections on things above and not on things of the earth for these next few moments, that we might enter into your presence, hear your word, and be transformed by it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. I've taken the title for this message today from a poem um, with the same title uh, by my favorite author or poet, uh, Robert Frost. And uh, so he titled the poem, The Road Not Taken. And let me read to you. It's a brief one. So let me read this to you. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, and then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, sometime ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. The poet does a beautiful job of depicting life's crossroad moments in this poem. And we have all been here, we've all been to this place that he's talking about uh, allegorically, this, uh, this place where one road turns into two roads, and a decision that will transform your life must be taken. We've all been there, and we've sometimes examined both roads and put together our checklist, which would be better. Perhaps you took time to ask advice and counsel, and perhaps not. 
At some point, though, each of us had to make that faithful decision. This is my path. This is where I will go. And you have uh, been standing, maybe you've been standing at two roads that they looked very much equal and very much the same. And so the choice to you seemed less conflicting. There may have been those who are here today or listening online who stood in front of two roads or two paths that looked very, very different. And the choice caused you a great deal of stress and anxiety. You may have made your decision thinking, if it doesn't work out, then I'm going to come back to the starting point and I'll take the other path. And maybe that one will work out. But the reality is, as the poet wrote, Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on way, I doubted I should ever come back. The truth of that we've all lived out. Roads have twists and turns and mountains and valleys. And, and after a few seasons, it seems impossible for us to think about going back to the starting point and taking a different pathway and moving in that direction. Which road should we choose? Dr. Bruce Waltke had, uh, explains that the road as a dominant metaphor, can be seen really as the four C's. The first is character. Who are you? The second is context. With whom do you associate? The third is conduct. What and how you make decisions. And the fourth is consequences. What comes out of the decisions you make? These are the four components that are an examination of the way that you and I make decisions, the way you and I choose uh, the path that we're going to follow and, and the path that will lead us forward. God says to Israel in this particular verse that we're looking at, to begin with, he says, stand by the roads and look. This has to do really with our character and, and how it is that it will shape our worldview. When we look, what we see is our worldview. When we are looking down each path, we are influenced by decisions and choices that we've made that have shaped our worldview. There's a, a, a wonderful passage that, that out of uh, the Genesis that speaks to this. It's where in, in Genesis chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, it's where Abraham uh, and, and Lot uh, are examining going forward. They're two uh, giant herds. They're both successful, uh, you know, in, 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 uh, in their cattle, and, and, but they can't, they, they no longer can just be together. They're going to have to separate or the land would be devoured. And so uh, they, are, they are looking out now to which path is, is they're going to take. I want to read for you what it says there, beginning at, at verse 8 out of Genesis chapter 13. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is it not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand... I will take the right. And if you take the right hand, then I will take the left. 
The commentary um, from uh, Tagrum Oncalis translates this, this way, what we just read. If you go north, then I will go south. In other words, Abram, as a man of prayer, was standing on the mountain range that runs down the center of Israel. He suggested that they both remain on the mountain, a place which requires prayer uh, for rain, but it also fosters a close connection with God. As Michelle had said earlier, children of Israel depending on God each day for the manna. This was the situation where they were, that they would live in a place of dependency on God. God would send the rain. God would provide for the cattle. God would take care of things. We read in Genesis chapter 13, verse 11, Lot's choice. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. For those of you not familiar with this passage, Lot was choosing what we would come to know in the, in the story, uh, the, the place of Sodom and Gomorrah where God would bring destruction. Lot was looking out, and, and uh, however, he, he decided to go east, not north or south, and, and down the mountain to Sodom, and, and he wasn't interested in, in a closeness with God, but rather wanted to have physical comforts of the plain. That place has provision already, and that's a place that I want to go where it's easy, where life is comfortable. Lot's character here is revealed. He's choosing comfort over work. He's choosing strangers over his family. He's choosing distance from God rather than a close connection with God. Now the context for Lot's decision really seems to appear to be Lot. Lot was having counsel with Lot. Hey, what do you think? (laughs) I think I want to have an easy life. I think I want things to be comfortable. And his desire was... To, to take a direct path to comfort. His, he, he trusts his own wisdom. But I think it's important for us to understand that what he sees when he looks is, is, is the, is, has to do with his worldview and how he sees it. When he looks at those two paths that the poet was saying, the road leads to the crossroads, he sees a comfortable path. He sees one that is... That is uh, well-trodden, he sees one that, that is, is a, a, a way that, that everybody seems to want to go. He sees something that, uh, in it that where there's going to be comfort and community instantly built. There's no work, no effort put it behind it. And so this is the one I'm choosing. His character is revealed. The context is his lot is counseling with lot and his worldview wins out. Now, conduct, the uh, doctor had said, was what and how you make decisions. What and how you make decisions. In this passage, it says, And ask for the ancient paths where the good way is, and walk in it, and find rest for your souls. We're in the midst right now of a cultural deconstruction revolution. It's been going on for some time, and it's going on all around us. You have been affected by it. I have been affected by it. Our schools have been affected by it. Our government has been affected by it. Our TV, our entertainment, our sports, everything has been touched by this cultural deconstruction uh, revolution. 
And what they're doing is tearing down ancient boundaries and revising historical events to fit a desired narrative. Now, this is the kind of conduct that was going on in, in Israel as well. They had forgotten all of the things that God had done for them. They had torn down uh, altar places and raised up uh, false idols to worship. And, and they were no longer willing to listen to the counsel from the prophets sent by God, but from the prophets who would tell them what they wanted to hear. <clears throat> this kind of conduct was, was going on. It, was, it, was leading, and it, it is leading there to a national destruction. It is leading to enslavement. It is leading to the overthrowing of, of a, a nation that will, be, that will suddenly become another nation. We have seen it. We can go back in history and we can look at the great empires and we see that same scenario, the deconstruction, the, the fall of the empire. Because here's what happens, people. When, when, we, uh, when, when we lose the founding principles that brought us together in the first place, we lose the reason to exist together. This section of, of our text calls us to heed the boundaries, revere historical learnings, and choose the path we will walk considering these understandings. What have we learned? What did we do wrong? What did we do right? These are why the boundaries and, and the great ancient boundaries stand. These are why they, they are reminders to us of both what we did right and what we did wrong that we might course correct in the future and move forward. And so it is, spiritually, God speaking to these people. You have torn down all of the things that have, have made you my people. You cease to keep the feast that I had ordered you to keep. You don't keep the Sabbath. You don't watch over the things that I have, have handed down to you. And as a result of that, you've lost your meaning for being together as a people. You begin to intermingle with the cultures around you. You will no longer exist as a nation and will be dragged off and another nation will take over because you have rejected me and turned your back on me. You see, Law did not consider any of the important uh, things that had happened in his journey with, with Abraham to, to shape his worldview. He disrespected Abraham's wisdom, his leadership, and his learnings. And he thought, I'm old enough, I'm successful enough, I can take a path that I want to take. It's time for me to make a journey. Forget about how you know, Abraham lived and, and you know, others that, that were around me have walked with God. It's my turn to make a choice. It's my turn to make a decision, and I'm going to step up and do it. And so he cast off all of those ancient boundaries. He cast off all the things of consideration of what God had done to bring him where he was. And now he's moving in a direction that will lead him away from God. The consequences. What comes out of the decisions that you and I make? In this instance, in our text, God is pointing out to Israel, I've set before you the paths, reminding them even further back in the Old Testament, those two paths representing life and death. I want you to choose the path of life, but you're looking down the path of death and you're moving in that direction. He said, take a look again. Consider the ancient boundaries. Ask for counsel and advice. Return to me. Come back. But it says in the finish of this, at the end of this passage, but they said, we will not walk in it. 
Choices and decisions have outcomes. Even our refusal to act is a choice that has an outcome. And in this particular instance, as you pan down in chapter 6 of Jeremiah, here's the outcome God announces for them. Hear you, earth. I am bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my word and have rejected my law. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Who or what we allow to shape our character will influence our decision-making. And so on the application side of this, I want to give you three points for making decisions when you come to the crossroads of life. And the first one is this. There's a very real danger in choosing foolish friends. The company that you keep will influence the pathways in life that you're going to take. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 26, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Dwight Pentecost states, A fool is not necessarily one who is marked by a low IQ, but one who leaves God out of his consciousness. The fool is the man who does not take God into consideration in every area of his life. When you're standing at the crossroads and you see two paths, your first thought should be, what would Jesus want me to do? God, I want your counsel. I want your direction. I want your instruction. You may be in the, between those two paths in your job where one will provide a greater uh, income for you and, and one that you're going down will, will keep you at the income you're at. And you're facing this, this place of decision. And we may want to lean into the one that pays more, but God may be leading you down the other road. Lord, we want your counsel in every step that we take. The second thing that I, I think is important for us is to keep pride out of your decision-making process. Pride is always that that will lead you uh, in the direction of the applause of men. Pride refuses truth and it embraces a lie. We'll build on that a little bit more next week, but pride is, is, is so destructive. And so when we're looking down these two paths and, and one seems like it will carry us higher in the eyes of men, then it's likely not the path that God has for us. We need to go the path that will glorify God and raise his name. And it's important for us to recognize when pride is rearing its head in our lives and trying to lead us away and astray from God. The third thing that we must consider is that we must prioritize spending your time with God and with God's people. It's easy to find a, a way, uh, you know, the right way, I think, when, when you are inviting God's presence and you're hanging out with God's family. It's so much harder to, to wind up on the wrong path when that's taking place. When you're inviting the presence of God and you're allowing Him to speak into your life, when you're hanging out with God's people and you have this, this whole accountability thing going on where people see that something is amiss in your life and they're calling you back, saying, hey, 
Let's meet. Let's talk. You know, I want to pray with you. I want to encourage you. But I think what you're doing right now is harmful to you, harmful to your family. And I want to be a part of the solution for you. I want to lift you up in prayer. I want to walk with you. Maybe you're discouraged. You know, maybe, you know, you're, you're being drawn away by your passions and lusts. But I want to be a part of the solution with you. Hanging out with God, inviting God's presence, inviting God's family in the journey is, is the sure way for you and I to make the right decision when we come to the crossroads of life. The, the big decision that you and I made when we made Jesus the Lord and the leader of our life is, is not a one-time decision. It is an everyday decision to live and to walk out in your faith and to be obedient to the Lord. To follow the pathway that he has given you and laid before you. To seek his counsel. God, I'm here at this crossroads. I really want to look down this. I want to hear from you. I want to move in the direction that you want me to move. I want to look to uh, my past and, and, and the heritage that I have in Christianity. My church family. Maybe your family is generations Christian. And, and you have this, these, these altars that have been built to the Lord of things that have been accomplished, miracles that have happened. We have such in our family, and it's wonderful. We can look back to those ancient boundaries. I don't want to tear them down. I want to I look to them to learn from them and move forward in the direction that God is calling us.